This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to another off-season edition of the Thursday Night Podcast. Thank you tonight. My name is Taylor. I'm joined with my co-hosts, Brady, David, and Jordan. How are we doing tonight, gentlemen? It's good to be back. I feel like we did this last time. Literally last time, we were kind of like, it's good to be back. Yeah, except last time was like two weeks and it's been five, I think, <laughs> if math is correct. Try to speak on that for a minute. Um, we realize that this is our first off season, so we're still working out the kinks. Um, so the as the news gets slower, obviously the podcast um, is going to slow down just a bit as well. We want to be able to put out episodes that we feel like we have enough to talk about. So we waited a little longer on this episode, but we do have a, like quite a lot to get to. Um, so speaking of which, we do a quick rundown of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, in the basketball world, big changes coming to the program, big emphasized uh, under Coach Lanier. Um, the pod system in the Sunbelt Conference basketball like scheduling has been done away with. And we got some updates on our seniors trying to take the big step to the next level. In football world, uh, lots of comings and goings in the program. And we have a confirmed night football game against Furman as our home opener. And then switching over to baseball, Greg Frady has been let go as our head coach. And we're going to break down um, Hunter Gaddis was drafted highest Georgia State player ever drafted in the MLB draft. So without further ado, we got a lot to get to, gentlemen. Let's kick it off with basketball. Oh, let's talk about that pod system that never happens. Right. So just to clarify what's going on with this, it was the middle of this past season. The commissioner of the Sun Belt decreed that for future seasons, instead of just playing the conference opponents so-and-so however many times a year, at a certain point in the season, what was going to happen is based on where you were in the standings, you were only going to play Teams, you know, one to four, we're only going to play each other the rest of the way, five to eight, nine to 12. And the idea, I guess, was just that there would be no way for a good team to have a bad loss in March and hurt the stock. But the more we thought about it, the more it didn't really seem like it made any sense. To back it up, the new way the NCAA tournament does at large bids, how they do ranking seating is called the net system. And it turns out after the first year, whatever we thought was going to work, it, it it didn't lead to us having good net ratings. Our RPI, which is the old system, those ratings were significantly better for all of the top Sunbelt teams. So there's something that needs to get figured out, but it obviously wasn't this. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I I thought that the pod system was a, nice, a, a cool idea. Um, I'm always in favor of the top teams getting a chance to play each other before the conference tournament time because, one, you know, better basketball to watch and two uh you get a chance to really test yourself you know was it just i was able to beat this team when we did the home and home can i do it again and then could you do it again in march but given everything that you said about what the ncaa looked for it just didn't seem like this was gonna help an at-large sunbelt team so it really doesn't make sense to keep it as a possibility for the schedule for next year. No, I was just I was just going to say that to me, it just seems like it's fixing a problem that isn't necessarily there. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know how much change wise like we can make to convince the powers that that be that an at large Sunbelt bid needs to be ha- like made a conversation for that. So I don't know. I feel like it overly complicated things without really providing much utility other than 
saying that we're going to get the best matchups of the best teams, whatever, at the end of the year. But a lot of the time that already happened anyway in the old system. So I'm not one that's super upset about the change. Also, considering we never actually saw it happen. Um, But yeah, I just I'm excited to see where we're going to go from here. But I'm not overly upset that we're losing out on this pod system. The new commission came in. Keith Gill, by the way, that's his name. And he obviously didn't like this at all because this happened pretty quick in the offseason. It was pretty much like, oh, now now it's over. Um, But from what I saw in the ESPN article about it, the quote was the league may consider a minimum net threshold for its members non-conference schedule to counter the change. And that would really get at a lot of it because the Sunbelt needs to perform better in non-conference as a conference. But in addition to that, there's teams and we're guilty of it sometimes scheduling just horrendous multiple just horrendous teams that don't do anything to help us so i think mm. that this is the Brady, smart you don't thing. mean that scheduling five games against baked potato state in the first month of the season isn't going to help us get to the ncaa tournament <laughs> we we were never that bad i will say you know blame other schools for that but we never had five baked potatoes. we played games. naia schools brady I mean, everyone's going to play it's like, like division NFL. six. Everyone's going to play. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's going to play. Jordan, all, all two of our NIA listeners are so upset at you right now. <laughs> Exhibition games don't matter. Like if anyone plays, you know, the division six, whatever you want to say for like exhibition games. When as far as games that count, Georgia State had, had some. I know that other schools have had multiple NAI and like division two schools for like official regular season games and that just you can't do that so if you set a threshold for non-conference where you have to schedule and if they set up like agreements with i'm not saying like the sunbelt a10 challenge but if like we have set things where we talk to another conference and say like hey let's schedule each other in on conference and you know do home and homes or whatever then that's gonna do better for the net ratings for any sunbelt school than whatever this pod system's intended goal was and the other thing that was mentioned was that possibly making it a 20 game conference schedule in no pod system. So the idea would also be that non-conference would be shorter so that you would have, you would have one or two less times to schedule that bad team. And I think that that's better way to get to the the goal, the stated goal of having better resumes for Sunbelt teams. I want to jump in here and just look. I just out of pure curiosity went and looked at our last season schedule. And obviously this is going to change because Coach Hunter was the one that set a lot of the out-of-conference stuff, so we're going to have to see how Coach Lanier takes an approach or how he approaches um, out-of-conference stuff. But, I mean, look at um, our first game, you know, versus ETSU. That's kind of a obviously a little wash. We've had this home-and-home series with Montana. Um, Mercer is like another in-state rival. Then we did the, the Cayman Islands Classic. We got, I mean, got matched up with like some good teams. Georgia, Creighton, St. Bonaventure. None of those teams are like necessarily going to like, you know, roll over. Um, Tulane at Liberty at Alabama versus UT Chattanooga. It's a state. I mean, these are names that we're playing in non-conference schedules. Yeah. And I think that was something we all appreciated about Coach Hunter was that he really made a commitment to having a strong out-of-conference schedule. Well, and he understood this year, the importance this in that. And yeah, in previous years, it was a little lacking, but it definitely in the last year or two, he definitely, I think, stepped up the out of conference level of difficulty. We're not playing any of those Southern Regional Polytechnic trade school of the arts anymore. Well, we definitely did that before. And there are some schools that still do that too much. And 
you know, part of it's probably it's hard to get teams to come to wherever, um, especially because for the same reason we want to boost our numbers, like that team who doesn't want to play in Monroe, Louisiana or wherever, because that road loss looks really bad for them, whether or not it's a fair thing, like the numbers bear out that that would be a bad loss. And so teams are going to be reticent to go on the road to some of these schools. And so they schedule who they can get to come there. And that's just the reality of the business. So it's not a perfect fix because there's still going to be some issues with that. But if that is the way they go, then that's going to be a better way of making this work. In other basketball news, we went to, we're making some big roster moves, emphasis on the big. We are getting some big boys in this program. Definitely not getting smaller boys. I mean, we we were literally there. I mean, Brady and I were at the press conference when Rob Lanier said, we're going to bring some size into this program and we're going to go out and, you know, get some guys that can, we think that can transform a little bit of the look of our team. And he has literally done exactly that. So I'm super excited and kind of like in a nervous way because it's been so long since we've had really any size to this program outside of those like one or two token big men. But who was the last I'm like really, really notable one? Like Eric Buckner? From, I mean, like, the like Rod Jordan Tyson is big. He was I mean, like 6'9", like 6'10". But I mean, he, like that's what I'm saying. Like we had one like, man, that guy's pretty tall if you see him on the street. But I mean, we just pulled in two 6'10 guys month. Three. Three. Yeah. Well, you know, so let's run it down real quick. Uh, Out of high school, Jalen Thomas from Detroit and Joe Jones from, quote, Canada, uh, but actually Buffalo, New York. Recently, we got the news that Elio Seseme is going to be a grad transfer from Cincinnati. Uh, He's going to sit this next year. He can't play, but he's going to redshirt and have two years after that. So it's interesting, though, because the fourth name of new players is Jojo Toppin, who is also sitting out. So we we continue to have multiple grad transfers from good programs. And I guess that tells me that Coach Lanier does trust the depth of who we have because he's going to have two more scholarships redshirting. But it's going to be interesting to see with the sides. It's going to be a totally different team. I don't know how many different ways we can say that. Uh, or we're going to probably keep finding new ways to say it or just say it the same way because it's still true. It's going to be a different Georgia State basketball program. It definitely is going to be a new basketball program. And I know we've hit on it a lot, but clearly Coach Lanier was not kidding when he said he wants Georgia State to look guys in the face when we're in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, I know a couple of these guys will have to sit out for a year, but it truthfully in the 2020-2021 season, Georgia State is going to be a much bigger team than we have seen them in recent years and maybe even ever, honestly. The one thing I would mention, though, uh, not that it wasn't the emphasis of Coach Lanier to add in bigs is we did definitely have a pretty set backcourt like we did have a lot of guys coming back we have Kane coming back we have Damon coming back we got the two transfers Corey Allen and Justin Roberts who are going to play we have Nelson coming back so part of it was a function of where we had less depth was the front court but I think there was also even if we had guys here I think that what Coach Hunter deemed what he wanted in a big man wasn't going to be what Coach Lanier wants to run in his system and so to be interesting to see, uh, I think reps are all the way up for grabs for these two freshmen. I mean, I think as far as they want to go, they're going to go with the system. I think that if they're good enough, he's going to play them. And it's going to be interesting to see. We've got a piece probably going to be out by the time you're listening to this podcast about all of the people coming in the class to date. So be on the lookout for that as well on the website. And then one last note is that 
Chekna Sissoko has now been released from his letter of intent with Georgia State. Best of luck to wherever he ends up. Uh, and that just means that with the new transfer to Seme, there's one scholarship left and remains to be seen what Coach Lanier and staff do with it. Uh, as far as the current team, I think that's all we got for now. But as far as former Panthers, we got some seniors that are trying to put in some work for the league. Yeah, we had a couple guys, obviously, with some fringe NBA talent um, on this last year's roster. I mean, number one, obviously, being DeMarcus. It's been a good scouting season for him. Um, I just saw maybe yesterday, two, two days ago, at the time of recording this episode, that he was working out for the Grizzlies. Um, he got some reps with the Hawks. He's been out and he's been getting in front of some um, some scouting you know, departments for some really good teams. So best of luck to him. We were hoping for the best. Um, other updates, Malik. Uh, been living out in Mexico and then um, Devin and Jeff are both getting workouts um, both probably summer league look type players um, you know maybe they could find the right fit and make a good impression and maybe bust into the G League somewhere or use that to launch getting signed somewhere overseas so um, a lot of Panthers hoping to make the leap to the pros so if we hear any more updates with uh, regards to those guys um, you could for sure check our Twitter account um, that's probably the best place to get any like kind of like quote unquote breaking news or any, you know, not just stuff you get here every three weeks when we do a podcast episode. Um, but yeah, for sure. Keep us um, keep locked in on our social media because we update that almost daily, I would say. So anything uh, important of note uh, with regards to some of our Panther pros or Panther pro hopefuls will be uh, there first for sure. And by the time we record next draft should have gone by all this news should probably start funneling through. So by the time there's another podcast, we should be able to say where everyone's landed or at least have a really good idea of the next step is if they haven't landed somewhere. Yeah. Cause summer league hits like pretty much after the draft, you start rolling out like so-and-so has added this person. It's like the first week in July, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, This probably won't be the year we're out there, you know, future goals. We're going to hit up summer league as a podcast. Probably not hitting Vegas this year. Is it Vegas still? <laughs> Vegas, Utah, both? It is still in Vegas. Yeah. I think the first round is like split up, but everything like from like the second round after is all in Vegas. So moving on to football, we have night football. Finally. Which can be fun. Finally, night football. 7 p.m. kick hosting Furman in our home opener in week two. Uh, our season opener will be in Tennessee. Kicking off at 3.30 p.m. How are we feeling about these football times being announced? I am so glad we finally have a Saturday night, actual night football game. I think the last time that happened was UTSA in like 2012 or 2013. 2012. And they, yeah, they made that uh, the I wear my sunglasses at night, uh, like night light sunglass video thing. Oh my God, it's hilarious. Go watch it. A real, real fun piece of Georgia State football history. I will say it is interesting uh, like it's not that interesting, but it, it's different that we don't have a home opener as our opener. It's the first uh, time we're starting on the history. road. Well, I, for one, welcome our new 7 p.m. Saturday kickoff overlords after the debacle. That was the 2 p.m. Friday kickoff in what, 2016? I just, why? Why? Just yeah, that was not fun. Stop it. That it was, is interesting. Uh, it is the first road opener for Georgia State football program. That's just weird to even think about. Like we have started every season at whatever home it was for us, the Georgia Dome for several years and the last two Georgia State Stadium. And so that's part of it is it, it, it it's a little different because the Furman game is on Saturday because 
it's not the first week of the year and we're not starting on a weekday at home. So it's a night game. It's a Saturday. And then I, I just don't think that there's any reason to play any game in daytime until about October, just because of yeah. Georgia weather. Um, I think that it's possible we do anyway, and that we'll be sitting here in a couple months and talk about like, why are we playing it too? How sunburnt we got going out to these games. Right. (laughs) But I think that it's possible, you know, I know that many of the teams around the Sunbelt do 6 p.m. kicks throughout most of the year, but definitely in the early months. I know that's how our foes down south do it. And it's a smart thing. um, So we'll see where that goes. But I like that Tennessee's a little later, you know, more time in the day to get there. Going to be interesting. The other thing is, if we're going to struggle anyway, and I'm not saying anything about how that game is going to go, but first games are always a little bit teams are working it out. But if our first game is that game against not a team that, you know, quote, we should beat and at home and we come back for week two against Furman, having ironed out the kinks a little bit, I don't think it's a bad thing. I will say regarding season opener being away that Knoxville's only like a three and a half hour drive from like downtown. So I would expect to see probably a, a, a solid showing of fans. I mean, it's a close enough game. It's a big enough team that we're playing against that. I think we'll get a, a solid showing of uh, fan support on the road. I would hope. Yeah. New we had a good group bring, in 2013. Yeah. And I mean, you're always going to have a decent group just from, you know, families of players especially because we have a lot spread out from the, the Southeast. So whether they're coming from Georgia, it's a pretty convenient game for anyone who came from a state in the Southeast for their families to come. So I, I, I am glad that the trend has become now that we are playing all these money games, quote, quote, in the Southeast. Uh, the days of going out West to play Oregon, we can leave those in the past. Place, play regional opponents. There's a reason that that's what everyone does. And it's not like there's any lack of football talent to play in the Southeast. If anything, like this is literally the Mecca of college football right now. There's so many teams that you can go out and play these money games against huge big time draw programs. And you don't have to go play the Wisconsin but enough about the or the Oregon's of the world. So kind of moving on to other football news. Uh, the Panthers have been active on the transfer markets in, in football as well. Um, we good ways heard, and bad ways. <laughs> yes, good ways and bad ways. Um, we'll actually start with the bad first, honestly, because um, I want to end on a positive note. Um, yeah, rip, rip the Band-Aid off. <laughs> we had three Panthers join the transfer portal. Amir Jones enters wide receiver. Um, I don't really have much to say about that. I, I think he... He, he was he played a little bit last year. It wasn't like he did. He had a great freshman year last yeah. year. He didn't play as much. And right. It's probably a move where he just saw other names above him in the death chart and thought I have I can make it better opportunities. I mean, could be other things going on. We don't really know. We're never going to be privy to all what's going on behind the scenes. But it seems like it's probably a searching for his better opportunities elsewhere. And, you know, best of luck. I do think that. There's a fair amount of receivers, so it wouldn't surprise me if it was just a busy receiver room and he wanted to see where else he could go. Right. That's honestly also what I think it is. I don't think it's I don't think it's an indictment of the program or at all. You know, I mean, the guy's coming off of a 12 catch season, you know, that it that makes some sense to at least throw his name out there, see what he can a- get. Attrition happens and we can touch on the next news, which is a little bit of attrition happens and is a little bit more worrying. Like no need to sugarcoat it. Um, 
both quarterbacks, Jack Walker and Swift Lyle, both of whom were the quarterbacks in the first two classes of Coach Elliott's staff, they're both transferring out. Uh, right. Jack was going to be a sophomore. Swift was going to be a redshirt freshman. Um, I guess my first reaction is just that it seems for all the world like there's a new offensive coordinator who stylistically probably doesn't mesh with what either of those guys intended to be as or feel that their strength is as a college quarterback and that they didn't get recruited to Georgia State by this guy. And so when Trick had left, it probably left their fates up more in the air than we maybe wanted to initially think. Uh, that's just my initial reaction. So I, I agree with that, but I'm, I'm really curious because the only other quarterback on the roster besides Dan is Cornelius Brown. But and he's, he's a pro-style quarterback. Technically not yet. Like he isn't even, I think he, they're just arriving on campus. So it, it does make a dire, it does seem like a alarm bells thing when you say we have two scholarship quarterbacks and one of them just got on campus. Exactly. And it's, it's really confusing to me um, because obviously we haven't seen Glenn's new offense. You know, they've had a couple practices, so I'm sure they've had meetings and they've talked about it, but what like the two quarterbacks that we have on the roster right now, if you could even count Cornelius, they're of different, you know, they play it differently. Dan is not necessarily a pro style quarterback, which is okay. Like, that's fine. But the guy that Brad helped recruit is, you know, so I hope, I hope that they bring in somebody before fall camp. That would be, that would kind of ease the question mark that I have. Um, but it's really weird that two quarterbacks leave in the same off season. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, th- I think with this happening, the expectation should be that there's going to be someone with eligibility added at the quarterback position in for fall camp uh quarterback is a tough position and you get beat up especially if you're going to be running as much as dan is probably going to be running so health wise is the bigger thing like i think dan ellington can lead this offense as far as this offense can go in 2019 like i don't think that he'd be the hindrance on it but he would be if you know he takes a shot in the middle of the defensive backfield and you know separates you know whatever like That'd be the worry for me. It's just it's just so razor thin at the position. Uh, that's why I would want someone who's preferably had D1 experience in whatever school they were at come in and not really fight Dan for the starting position, but just give us some kind of depth. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, definitely need another quarterback to ease some pains. Even if it is Dan's team the whole year and nothing has happened, you you want that security blanket. You don't want to go in where it's like if Dan goes down, we're feeding we're feeding the true freshman to the wolves, and he could be ready. You know, Cornelius Brown could feel the limelight, but it's never going to be anything you're comfortable with. And when when if there were an injury to Dan, it would just be a real like problem moment, and you'd be relying on a true freshman, which is usually not an easy bet to make. Correct. Quick question. Do any of us have any NCAA availability or eligibility left that we can go in and uh, fill that role? <laughs> uh, considering uh, that, all of us have technically graduated at this point. I don't think so. Well, I will say but. I've signed with an agent, so my list is gone. It was a bad idea. I got some bad advice, but yeah, my eligibility <laughs> shot. I signed with an agent. There it is. <laughs> well, I 
guess it'd be a greatest time as any to announce that I did not sign with an agent and I'm returning as a graduate transfer to Georgia State and be looking to compete for that. Uh, yeah, I don't feel any spot, better so. about this. Like, <laughs> nothing changed in what I just said. David Brady, if I told you that we were getting a six foot three, buck 90 pounds uh, graduate <laughs> transfer from a D1 school coming back to Georgia State, would you not, not be excited? Yeah, how many years of experience does this uh, supposed football player have under his belt, huh? Oh, he's been around the football program for six, seven years. He knows. He knows that he knows the team. All right. Well, now the, already uh, I'm a lot about the, the stands. <laughs> like, if he's been around the program no, 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 for just, six or you know, seven years, he's definitely exhausted whatever eligibility he would have had. Come on, okay. Hunter Renfro still had to graduate from Clemson. All right. I know he was there for ten years, but that was a weird exception. They, the NCAA just looked past that. It's fine. He got his pension the year he graduated. It's fine. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Who was that dude for Ohio State? The quarterback before Dwayne Haskins was there for literally oh, like geez. fourteen straight years. Yeah. <laughs> this oh man! Like my, my guy got, got his doctorate on the football program's time. Oh, uh, moving on. Return. <laughs> so, returning to the good news. Georgia State did add two transfers to the program. So Kyle Wright, not the Braves pitcher. He actually is going to be immediately eligible. He was a freshman last year. I don't really know how this works because nobody knows how this works. Uh, But he transferred and is going to retain that year of eligibility. So he is going to come in as a redshirt freshman. And linebacker is not a particularly set position. We've got guys there, um, but if he can come in and compete, it's very possible that he's going to contribute from game one for the defense. And that's going to be interesting to watch. And the other guy is Corey Reed was a wide receiver at Louisville. He does not have immediate eligibility, but he will have two years to play after sitting out this year. Uh, I mean, I like six, three wide receivers. Seems like a good position to have a six, three player at. For all of the problems the Georgia state program has had in its history for Pretty much since Trent Miles and staff got on campus, the wide receiver position has always been a strength of the team. And so I'm not like whenever we add guys in, it's adding a guy to a pretty good position group and especially expecting there to be improvement in the passing game year two because every quarterback is better year two. I just it it seems it's never going to be a thing where we need immediate help, but it's never bad to add more talented players to it. And Roswell High School, he's coming home. It's it's a it's what the basketball program has perfected in bringing guys home after they initially recruited elsewhere. And it's something the football program is going to have to really dig into doing to get top level talent here until we can get it here on. Hey, come to Georgia State out of high school. It'll be interesting to see what he can do in 2020 onwards. So one one guy possibly doing a lot in 2019, one guy literally ineligible to do anything in 2019, but both guys to watch for being impact players in the future. Cause big school was calling them for a reason. Must've seen something. So moving on from football, we do have some baseball news. Greg Frady's contract has not been renewed. So he will be let go as Georgia state's uh, baseball coach. A couple quick facts about coach Frady's tenure with the Panthers. Um, so just a quick few facts about his tenure with the Panthers. Uh, he amassed a three, 70, 365, and one total record, but saw 
this year's campaign fall to a 15 and 41 mark, which pretty assuredly was the final nail on the coffin um, with Bob making the change. David and Brady, you guys are a little more knowledgeable about just baseball in general than I am. Can you kind of lend some insight to the situation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, by all accounts, Coach Frady was, you know, a decent coach. You know, Georgia State athletics seemed to love him. Um, and he I, loved Georgia State athletics. Like, in the limited, limited interactions I've had with him, uh, nothing but respect for whoever. Um, nothing but nice things to say about him, the person, and him, the Georgia State ambassador. As far as those things go, he was ticking the box. Right, and that's, you know, that's one thing that you want in a coach that, you know, that ticking all the boxes obviously is important, but if ultimately you're not ticking the wins box, does the rest of the stuff really matter? I, I guess it just seemed like it was time to make a move. Um, you know, I know baseball is not the sexiest of sports at the collegiate level, um, but I think it's okay that this move happened. I mean, I don't know necessarily what Georgia state wants after this in a baseball coach, obviously you want a guy that wins, you know, but do you want a guy who's developing your program or do you want a guy that's developing major leaguers? I mean, you know, I think coach Freddie, as you said, was a great ambassador for the university. Um, but ultimately, you know, wins and losses really determine guys that have jobs and guys that don't. And as you can see by his recent track record in conference play, Georgia State really is not anything special as it comes as it relates to baseball, um, which kind of sucks. You know, Georgia is a great state for baseball and it's warm most of the months. Like you should be able to cultivate talent, you know, and you can't even use the excuse that sometimes people give football where it's a new program. No, I mean, they've had a baseball team for a while, you know, and Forever. consecutive years of 10 wins in the Sun Belt seems like it's not going to cut it. So I definitely understand the move. Um, even though by all accounts, coach Frady is a fantastic ambassador for the university players love him, you know, from the conversations that we seem to have had with him, he seemed like a great guy down to earth. You know, I, I guess it just seems like his contract was up and now is just a good time to make a move, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a numbers business at the end of the day and the numbers were going in a downward trajectory. Um, and this year it was just, I, I don't want to pour over the stats for the team. Cause it's, it just, it, the hitting wasn't up to par and neither was the pitching. And, and if you at least have one building block there, you have something to work towards. And if both of them had been getting worse and the truth is the Sunbelt is not a bad baseball conference. There are good teams. Coastal won college world series a few years ago. There's several teams that are always playing in Texas state was just left out of an at large bid. It's, it's not an easy conference to just take over, but it's a conference that we could be doing better in. And even with facilities being where they are until we see the program, take the move to more downtown location as we're expecting. Like you said, you can't just let the two positive tick marks for him negate the fact that winning is the name of the game. And I, also, I wonder where the hire is going to go. I don't know if we're going to try and get Georgia person, if we're going to try and get someone who's just one at some school, wherever, and just has a track record of winning whatever region they're from. But it'll be interesting to see. And 
nowhere to go but up really from where this last year ended and I just want to say as an aside, uh, we didn't really get up and running with baseball coverage for this past season, but we do intend to have more of a baseball presence going forward for Georgia State baseball. On a much brighter note, uh, one Panther who had a phenomenal 2018-2019 season um, got actually drafted and was the highest drafted Sunbelt player this year. Uh, so congratulations to Hunter Gaddis, you know, for being drafted in the fifth round, 160th to Cleveland. This is for you. Um, I hope they enjoy a very, I don't want to say specialized. It seemed like from the limited things that I've seen, it seems like he's a kind of a specialty pitcher. Um, not great on the fastball velocity, but you know, we'll see what happens when he's in the minors. So, yeah, I mean, he's a sinker slider guy, uh, had a lot of success the season before this one, this one was okay. Um, but he really, he, he showed out for a national team in the past year he put on in 2017, 18. It's going to be interesting. It's a great system to get drafted into. I put this out right when the news came out on Twitter, but Cleveland has a really good track record of developing pitchers in the last decade. And so as far as like best landing spots for them, this has got to be in the top five just because of what they've done. I, it'll be interesting to see whether he ends up just starting as a reliever because he's a college arm and because they do have a lot of rotation guys already in the major leagues. But in a year where the team wasn't great, him still being the best guy off the board. I mean, it's about the talent in the MLB draft and, him being the top guy, despite the team being what it was, it's a testament to how good he's been and how good he can be. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. Thank you guys for listening again uh, from the whole team. We'd like to thank you guys for your continued support of the podcast and our other projects. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter um, for more real-time updates with all things Georgia State sports. Um, but for now, uh, that'll do it for us for tonight. Uh, again, my name's Taylor and the rest of the crew, David, Jordan, and Brady. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Peace. See you. See you.